The scripture this morning comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2, verses 4 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, you descendants of Jacob, all you clans of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives? I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce, but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priest did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who deal with the Lord did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, following worthless idols. Therefore, I bring charges against you again, declares the Lord, and I will bring charges against your children's children. Cross over to the coasts of Cyprus and look. Send to Kedar and observe closely. See if there has ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Indeed, this is God's Word, and we will be uh, looking at uh, part of it for our message today, particularly verse 5, uh, very much focusing in on it. But we are uh, continuing today our uh, series going through, long story short, uh, the Bible in 11 phases. I said it again, phases. It's phrases, not phases. <laughs> but I guess it's phases too, right? And let's see if this will turn on. Oh, dear. There we go. Finally. Gotcha. Alrighty, so uh, good to have you here, whether you're here today with us uh, live and in person or uh, at home. Uh, we are so looking forward to uh, looking at God's Word again here together today. Um, it really strikes me that today's message uh, is sort of a hinge point of long story short. Uh, for one thing, we've had five messages so far in this series, and we're going to have five more after today. But I really think there's a, a far more important and profound reason that it's a, a hinge point in the story as well. Uh, I was reading A Christmas Carol last week. You know, that is a book, not just a, a movie. And uh, it, I, there was one phrase in there that really struck me uh, and I thought is appropriate really for our message today. So Charles Dickens says this early on in the story. To set it up, he says, Old Marley was dead. This must be distinctly understood or nothing wonderful can come of the story I'm about to relate. And I would say that there's a real sense in which uh, uh, today's phrase, while it might also seem grim, uh, must also be distinctly understood. So something wonderful can come from the rest of the phrases that we're going to be talking about in the weeks ahead. So, uh, the story, long story short, right in the hinge point. So let's go over the, the ones that we have covered so far. Let's say them together. First one, God made. We broke. 
God chose, God freed, God shepherded, and then today's is we strayed, we strayed. Let's pray as we dive into this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this series. Thank you for your word that we're looking at today, this particular verse, but your word in general. Thank you so much for giving it to us, for inspiring it and enabling us to um, come before it this morning. Would you use it to work in us that which is well-pleasing in your sight? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So as we dive into this passage, I want to make uh, one sort of uh, initial point, and that is this. Everyone, whoops, you're not supposed to see that one yet, but anyway, everyone loves a good story. Everyone loves a good story. That's why we can't seem to get enough of movies like Star Wars or the Avengers series or Harry Potter. We keep getting them and we keep loving them and keep watching them. Even sitcoms that have staying power last not just because they're funny, but because they tell good stories. And people still read novels. Like I said, I just read A Christmas Carol. And whether you're reading a John Grisham novel or the latest Nicholas Sparks or classics like Les Miserables and The Lord of the Rings, it's just more evidence that everyone loves good stories. You love a good story, however it's told. You have different formats that you might prefer. But everyone loves a good story. And as you can already tell because I clicked it too soon, one of the things that makes for a good story is good characters. If you're going to have a good story, you've got to have good characters. How can you have a good story without great characters, right? Every good story needs a good bad guy, catch a good bad guy, um, like Darth Vader or Ebenezer Scrooge or Voldemort, somebody like that. And then you need memorable main characters, a Scarlett O'Hara or an Alexander Hamilton or Buzz Lightyear, buzz, buzz. Of course, these characters are involved in some sort of conflict. There's something going on where there's competition or a fight or uh, something that makes us wonder what's going to happen next. How will Eliza Hamilton carry on after the unimaginable thing that Alexander did to her? How will Frodo and Sam ever get the ring to Mount Doom? And how will the Mandalorian manage to save Grogu, that's uh, Baby Yoda, in case you don't know, by the way. How is he going to save him again, or vice versa, as the case may be, given the episode, right? So really good stories have great characters. They have some sort of conflict that keeps us on the edge of our seats. And really good storytellers heighten the tension. Just when we think everything is going to work out fine, something even worse happens. And we can imagine, how, how is this going to happen? How did they get into this? Oh, no, what is going on? Just when we think the hero has won the day, the villain has another trick up his sleeve, and it's even worse than we thought. Luke Skywalker and the crew are busting out with Princess Leia, right? When, oh no, Obi-Wan gets killed or something by Darth Vader, right? And we can't imagine how they're going to get out of it. Or later in the movie, Luke Skywalker is about to bomb the Death Star to smithereens, right? But then what happens? Darth Vader shows up, he's on his tail, and he's going to shoot him out of, out of the sky. I said this first service, but out of space, I guess. Well, any, anyway, oh no, what's going to happen? How are they going to get out of this, we wonder? That's what it means to heighten the tension, and a good storyteller does that throughout the story. Now, for the last five weeks, we've been looking at our story again, the long story short, and let's just make sure we realize it's far more than just a story, just any old story. It is the greatest story ever told, first off. 
In fact, nearly other, all other stories, and even literary critics will say this, all other stories simply echo what we find here in the scriptures, in the long story short, in one way or another. It's also more than just a story in that it's 100% true, not only in that it all has happened or will happen, but that it's true to life. It really describes reality as it is and the human condition as it is. And as the Apostle Peter put it in his first letter, angels love to look into this story. Now, in this story, the main character, and who would be the main character in, the main, in this story, long story short, huh? Sunday school answer, come on. God, it's God, Jesus, right, whatever. The main character is the truest, the bravest, the most heroic hero of all stories. And he makes everything there is. So we're going to go through the map, napkin here now, and I'm going to sum up where we've uh, begun and how far we've come. So with the napkin, we have uh, four different quadrants, four sort of acts to this story. And in the first one, we see the main character, God, God made. He made everything there is, and he made it good, and he made us in his image. But no, just when you think it's gonna, everything's going to be happily ever after, right from the beginning, what happens? We broke. Ah, the snake shows up, you see, and Adam and Eve, if you will, fall for it. That's right. In other words, we broke. We turned away from God, and the original sin broke creation, and not only creation, but ourselves as well. How will we ever get out of it? How will this ever get fixed? Well, God would have been perfectly justified in just letting us go. As we turn away from him, he would have been totally justified in turning his back on us, right? But no, God pursues us, and that's the next act, if you will. First off, God chose. He, he makes a covenant with Abraham, and he creates a new nation, one that will point the rest of the nations back to God and how to do that. But not only that, God frees. He frees God's people from slavery, slavery in Egypt, and truly makes a nation out of them now by giving them a government and land and showing them more clearly how to follow him. That's a lot of what the first five books of the Old Testament are about. So God freed, but not only that, God shepherded. See the shepherd crook there. God shepherded because he raised up a man after his own heart to be king, David, who would lead the people. And God would make a covenant with David as well, such that there would always be a descendant of David on the throne to lead God's people in following him. So after all that God has done for us, surely now we're to happily ever after, right? Everything is going to be great from here because of all that God has done for us, right? Uh, if only. For again, just when you think the story has reached this wonderful conclusion, we discover the situation is worse than we thought because we strayed. Notice the little box goes out from under the shepherd's crook. We strayed. And that's the next chapter in Long Story Short that we're going to be looking at today. And primarily uh, looking at Jeremiah again, as was read earlier. And Jeremiah was a prophet right at the end of the time of national Israel before it went off into exile. And we're going to very much focus on verse 5 here particularly, where he says this. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? To me, it seems like a heartbreaking question that God is asking here. Sometimes we think that God is in some ivory tower and untouchable, but the scriptures even say that we should not grieve the Holy Spirit. And God sounds grieved, at least to me, here in this question. 
Israel strayed? Yes, sadly. You know, there had been bumps in the road in Israel's history all along, but it really begins in earnest after Solomon's reign. Now, David, we've talked about him and how God raised him up, the king after God's own heart, and then Solomon, his son, followed after him, built the temple and all that. But after Solomon's reign, the next one that comes along, the nation divides. The nation divides into a northern and a southern kingdom. David's grandson, Rehoboam, uh, still is on the throne in the southern kingdom, but the ten northern tribes separate and go off in a different direction. They have another king, and that other king sets up another temple, and they start worshiping a different god. Two golden calves, in fact. What? what are, how? It, it's mind-boggling, right? But that's what happens. They have another nation, another temple, another god, two golden calves. And the next several centuries are simply the story of a continual spiritual decline. King Ahab and Queen Jezebel may be the most well-known examples of that. And before long, they are worshiping in a way you could hardly imagine. Worship for them, part of it anyway, is temple prostitution and child sacrifice. That's how bad it is getting in the northern kingdom. Now, in the southern kingdom, it's not a whole lot better. This is the strain that's going on. It's not a whole lot better. They still follow the Lord, but it's very spotty. There are some good kings. Some examples would be Hezekiah and Jehoshaphat. But there's even more that continue the strain that was going on in the north. And eventually they follow examples of the north and the leaders, the kings, the priests, the false prophets really you'd say, give themselves over into the example of the same kind of idolatry going on in the north. It finally gets so bad. Israel has strayed so far that God raises up the Assyrians, another nation, that come and conquer the people in the north and take them into exile there in Nineveh in the land of Assyria. Now, you would think that that would sober up the southern kingdom, right? And they would say, man, we better follow the Lord. Why are we doing this crazy stuff anyway? But no, they continue in their idolatry, and eventually God raises up the Babylonians that does the same to them. Conquers the southern kingdom. The temple is destroyed, and guys like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are exiled off into Babylon. So yes, Israel strayed. All of which leads God to cry out again, what fault did your ancestors find in me that you strayed so far from me? In other words, God is saying, so they strayed, and then what fault? What, what was wrong with me that you left me? If you've ever had a divorce or you've ever had a boyfriend or girlfriend leave you, you're, out, you're wondering that kind of thing, right? What was wrong with me that you left me? And here's God asking the same kind of question. And really that's God's question to everyone, everyone who's ever lived, each one of us here in this room today, because we have all strayed, haven't we? That's his question. What fault do you find to be? And, and what fault do we find in God that we would ever sin against him? Is it that he's so faithful that while we turn our backs on him, he never turns his back on us? Is, is that the problem? Is that why we stray away from God? Is it because he's so patient, putting up with our grumbling and complaining all the time, and again, not turning his back on us? Do we find fault with God that he forgives our every sin, or that he listens to us as we cast our cares on him because he cares for us? Do we have a problem with that or something? But every time 
we sin against him, see, that's what we're doing. We're straying. Do we find fault that he provides us with the beautiful sunshine that we see outside today, the rain and snow, food and drink, clothes and homes to live in, loved ones that God sends to us? Do we find fault because he became one of us in the Christmas story and all the rest, or that he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins? But I'm getting ahead of the story, aren't I? Obviously, the fault doesn't lie with God, does it? What a terrible and sad idea even to entertain, right? Now, it's at this point in the story, long story short, that we come to a shocking realization and want us now to look at the second half of God's heartbreaking question, and that's this. Emphasizing this time, what fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? That they strayed so far from me. Now, this begs the question, doesn't it? How far have we strayed? God made and pretty quickly we broke. And even though God chose, God freed, and God shepherded, we still strayed. Why? Because our brokenness goes far deeper than we ever want to admit. Our brokenness goes far deeper than we ever want to admit. Now, a little earlier I said the main character, and we all sort of joked and laughed and groaned maybe, the main character is God. Well, guess what? Here's how broken we are. We want to be the main character in the story. We want to kick God off his throne and to be God of the world ourselves. Uh, many of you might be familiar with the movie, the story, Bruce Almighty, right? Where Bruce wants to be God, and he's actually given the ability to be God sort of for a tiny piece of the world for just a little while. Bruce Almighty. Well, I want to be Doug Almighty, don't you? Or no, you see, you want to put your name in there. You want it to be Lyle Almighty or Kyle Almighty or Eric Almighty. We want to be God of the world. And what that really means is, as we talked about in We Broke when Tim preached that message, it's as though we are still eating of the fruit of the knowledge, uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We are still wanting to decide for ourselves what's right and wrong. For you see, that's what every time we sin, that's what we're doing. We're saying to God, I'm not interested in what you say is right and wrong. I want to do what I say is right and wrong. Everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. That's what we want. And that, more than anything, explains the mess the world is in today. So the question is, if we're the problem if we're that broken, if we have strayed that far, how can we be saved from ourselves? Who can deliver us from God's justified anger? And the answer is no one because we all have the same problem. What are we to do? How will we ever get out of it? And that's where another characteristic of a good story comes into play, and that's what we call the turn the turn. Everyone loves a good story, I'm convinced, and the things that make for a good story are great characters, the conflict that goes on, the heightened tension that an author will bring, and you can't have more heightened tension than what we have here in the story now to this point, how far we have strayed. But then comes the turn, the change, the thing that makes everything seem to work out. In The Princess Bride, you have a situation where Inigo and Fezzik have finally found out where Count Rugen is and they're going to defeat him, but they want the man in black, Wesley, to come and help them. They need his help to defeat Count Rugen. So they go to get Wesley and they find him and, oh no, heightened tension. Wesley is 
dead. What are they going to do? How are they ever going to get out of this? Ah, the turn. Because they take the body to none other than Miracle Max, right? They take him to Miracle Max, and Miracle Max looks at him, and he makes the diagnosis, and he says, ah, but you see, there's a difference here. There's a difference between uh, dead and, say it with me, mostly dead. And Wesley was only mostly dead. And there's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead, because if it's all dead, the only option is to go through the loose, their, change for, their pockets for loose change. I'll get it out. And, uh, but Miracle Max makes a pill that brings Wesley back to life, and they go off and they finally win the day. Still a lot of action ahead, but the turn has come and everything falls into place after that. In Star Wars, as I mentioned before, Luke Skywalker is about to blast the uh, Death Star uh, to smithereens, but then Darth Vader shows up on his tail and is going to blow him up and everything, shoot him down. How's he ever going to get out of that? Ah, the turn, you see. Because Han Solo shows up, and he shoots at Darth Vader and knocks his ship out of the way. Luke goes on to make a successful bombing run, and you know the rest of the story. Still a lot of action to play out, but the turn has come. Everything's finally begin, beginning to go right. And in the long story short, in the true story, the one that God has been writing since the very beginning, the one that you and I play a part in, even there... Um, even though we broke, God came in and he did the same thing that we talked about before. He chose, he freed, and he shepherded. We strayed. How are we ever going to get out of it? Well, there's a turn, but you know, a lot of people don't want to go there. They want to interrupt the turn in this story and they want to say, stop. What we really need to do is stop being so depressing. Stop being so negative. It's not really as bad as all that. We need some encouraging news. We need some encouragement. We need some good news. So just stop with all your depressing story. Well, it is true. We do need good news, but a lie is never good news. Denial, there's nothing good about denial. It's what keeps an addict stuck in their addiction. It's what keeps a strained sinner lost in their strainedness. It's only when we appreciate the heightened conflict that we really are in, to put it in story terms. It's only when we see how far we really have strayed. It's only when we see the desperate situation that we really are in. It's only when that is distinctly understood that something wonderful can come out of the rest of the story. Because this is the turn of all turns, if you will let it be that. Folks, brothers and sisters, the question is, how big of a Savior do you think you need? What we all need is a God who pursues us all the way down, all the way down to where we really are, who comes all the way down to earth where we really live and becomes one of us, who goes all the way down to hell, the hell that we deserve, and a God who comes into our hearts where the brokenness is found that he might transform it so we can follow him. Theologians would call that incarnation, penal substitution, and regeneration. And normal folks like us would call it the manger, the cross, and being born again. That's the kind of Savior we need, and that's the kind of Savior we get. And it's because of that that we can know that God is always with us, that he will never leave us or forsake us. If he has pursued us 
as far away as we have strayed, then we know that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And so we can be strong and courageous no matter what you're facing today because you know that the Lord will be with you wherever you go. That's the kind of Savior we need. That's the kind of Savior that we get. That is the good news of Christmas Day. The question is, have you put your faith in this Savior? Have you made this, this Savior your Lord and Savior? If not, please do so today, right now. You can pray with me in just a moment and do that. And if you have, let's remember afresh how much God must love us to have pursued us so far and to have paid so dearly to get you. And with grateful, transformed hearts, let's pursue him, following him wherever he leads. And I would very much encourage you then to tune in next week and the weeks to follow for the next chapters in Long story short, where we see Jesus came, and Jesus died, and Jesus rose. And therefore, we follow, and eventually, we're home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who pursued us all the way to where we are, who pursued us even though we had gone so far away with seeking to be the main character in the story, taking your place in it. So, Father, we thank you for the love that you have for your people that you have demonstrated in your Son, Jesus Christ, who you sent to us. And if there's anyone here who has never put their faith in this Savior, pray with me now. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I have sinned and fall short of your glory, that I have strayed so far away seeking my own will instead of yours, wanting to be the main character in the story when you are and so I acknowledge that and I come before you and thank you for Jesus, what you have done on the cross for me, taking my place, suffering the hell I deserve on the cross for me. I accept that and put my faith in you and ask that you would heal me, reconcile me, transform the brokenness in my heart that I might be able to follow you. And Lord, for all of us who either just now or have done that a long time ago, would you continue that healing work in us fixing the cracks that are still there, that we might love you and understand you for who you are, the loving God who has pursued us all the way and enable us to seek you in the ways that you deserve. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.